Hey there, sacred friend. You're listening to the Crystal Shaman Life Podcast, and I am your host, Lori A. Andress. This podcast is a place for you to press pause on the busyness of your day-to-day life and reconnect with your authentic self. It's a place to discover your voice of inner wisdom and to become the courageous creator of your adventurous, vibrant, and spirit-filled life. In each episode, we will get raw and real exploring how to bring crystal medicine, ancient spiritual practices, ceremony, ritual, and soulful travel into your everyday life. Grab a cup of tea, light a candle, get cozy, and let's dive in. Hey, hey, hello, my sacred friend. I am Lori Andress, and welcome back. Welcome to this episode of The Crystal Shaman Life. Ah, in this episode, we are diving into part two of the Soulful Traveler series. Yeah, and in this ser- this episode, we're going to talk about preparation. Yeah, we're going to kind of talk about five different facets of preparing for your sacred or soulful travel. Yeah, but before we dive in, I want to kind of circle back to last week's episode, and I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of what really constitutes a sacred place, what constitutes, you know, like a a sacred site, because we really have this um, in our culture, kind of this set perception of what that means. And we, we tend to think of very specific locations or specific types of things. And most often, those sites tend to, that we think of tend to be someplace that's marked by some sort of um, monument of some sort, right? And, you know, I really want to acknowledge that um, a sacred site or a sacred place is more than just those sites that we've heard of, more than those locations that we've become familiar with, or those than, more than those that are marked with some sort of monument. Now, as we step back, Earth itself, All of Earth is a sacred place. And our gift um, of being here on this Earth is, is an opportunity to connect with it and get to know its sacredness and to create relationship with it, to literally awaken to the magic, the wonder, and the joy and the gifts of Earth. And you may be wondering, you know, like, hey, why? You know, I, 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 um, I always thought, you know, prayer and connection was more about this, this aspect of connecting up. But I want to emphasize here, this is, this is where I think shamanic practice and um, those who walk the shamanic path have a really unique perspective. Our, our, our embodiment, our being human and being here on earth is about creating relationship with the physical. And when I say the physical, I'm not talking about all those fancy things, you know, like, like, yeah, okay, I've got my physical things like my house and my car and my, my camper and, you know, other, my phone and blah, 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 <laughs> all those fun physical things, right? Like those, those toys, so to speak. I'm talking about the physical life, the life of the earth, the animals, the trees, the plants, um, the waterways, the unique land formations, um, geological structures that are fascinating and interesting, the formation, the way the earth molds and shifts and changes. 
And you're probably wondering, well, why is that such a big deal? Like, why is that important? Well, here's what my opinion is on that. In my opinion, <laughs> and in my own experience, um, as I've come to know Earth much more intimately, I feel more supported in my life. I feel clearer about my path. I feel like I um, have more focus. Um, I am more attentive to uh, to the day-to-day experiences of life. I'm more present within relationships and within life itself. Um, I recognize a level of magic that I wasn't attuned to before, a level of magic that I seem to overlook or miss or even dismiss prior to that. And, you know, I I really believe that uh, as we deepen our relationship with being here, being alive, being physically rooted and grounded and connected to Mother Earth and connected to all, all of her creation, we begin to recognize how she is supporting us and how we can most powerfully show up in our lives for ourselves and for others. Okay, so deepening into this idea of uh, soulful travel and heading out on, you know, sacred escapes and adventures and such, and getting to know our local landscape, it's a process of awakening ourselves to the magic and wonder and awe and the ways that Earth wants to support us and allowing it to awaken to us as, um, as a friend, as an ally in relationship. Now, Each of us, you know, wherever we live, that area has a different regard for the earth. And you're probably very familiar with how your area, where you live, regards the earth and um, what the relationship is with the earth. Does your community have designated natural areas? Does it have um, urban gardens? Are there um, buildings that are falling apart that are not being tended to? Are there places where trees are... um, moving through process of uh, their life cycle and are they being tended to? How are they being, how is the land, the earth, the nature being cared for in your area? Now in Northeast Wisconsin, we, one of the big industry, you know, things here is the paper industry. And for many years, um, the paper industry had been flushing all sorts of chemicals into our main waterway, which was the Fox River. And that river feeds into the Bay of Green Bay, which feeds into Lake Michigan, which feeds into the entire Great Lakes system, ultimately. But what was happening is that in the river, there were so there was so many there were so many chemicals just sinking and sinking and sinking to the bottom of that river that it was not safe to fish from those waters, to eat fish from those waters. And for about the past, oh, I don't know, maybe 15 years, um, they there has been a lot of cleanup effort. And this is continuing to go on. This is not complete. This is not by any means a completed process. But there has been a lot of um, effort and work and consistent action being taken to cleanse the, um, the, the river bottom and to um, remove some of those chemicals. And um, as that's been happening, it's been really interesting to watch 
what has also been happening with regards to the animal life that lives on the the shores of the river the shores of the bay what types of animals have returned to this area not just in you know scarce numbers but in abundance and i'm talking about you know eagles uh osprey um falcons uh, <laughs> uh in abundance yes wisconsin has an abundance of pelicans and you know like watching these um animals return to this area over the years as the river is being cleaned and um watching them begin to feed from the river a river where even animals were not feeding from because the chemicals were so it was so um so rich with chemical um, that was unhealthy for the environment and for individuals. It's really interesting to watch how uh, all of nature has reawakened in response to the loving attention to that river. Uh-huh. Yeah, let yourself just kind of sink into that, that loving attention. Now, of course, that's happening on a big scale. And you might be thinking, hey, I'm just one person. What am I going to do? Um, don't, don't dismiss that. Do not dismiss that. One person is huge. What one person does within a space, the way they show up and allows, allowing themselves to be deeply present within a space, um, it activates, it creates a ripple and it invites more and more people. Uh, so I, you know, I've seen this just over and over and over and, um, it's, it's our own loving attention to places that inspires others to show up with loving attention and invites Mother Earth to be open and receptive to that deeper connection. Okay, so let's talk about this aspect of preparation, preparing for your sacred escape, your sacred travel, your soulful travel. All right. The first thing I want to talk about is there's all of the obviousness, right? When, where, how, all of those fun details. You get to look at, does this um, adventure require an overnight? Does it um, require, you know, like long travel? What kind of travel does it require? <laughs> all of those fun pieces and bits of information. Um, a lot of my travel, I really love road trips. So I tend to um, plan my trips in that way. I, I, I build them around some sort of, you know, drive and physical, you know, experience of the road of life and uh, travel. So that's something that uh, I tend to look around or plan around. Um, then the next thing you get to decide is, is the solo or is it with other people? Or is a part of it solo and you're going to meet up with someone for a bit of it? I, I tend to do a lot of solo travel. I know I I've talked a lot about my travel with Chris, but uh, in addition to that, I really do a lot on my own. During the school year when he is teaching and um, busy and you know, kind of in that like full-time teacher thing, uh, I love to just go out for extended periods of time. And I do a lot of that solo. And when I do, I weave in experiences or times with other people. And that's a really key part for me to have those, 
those uh, those those bits woven in as well. Both are incredibly beneficial. Um, I encourage you if you're uncomfortable or if it feels weird to you to go on your own, I encourage you to push through that one and to give it a try because. Gosh, it's in those moments when we are on our own that we really get to discover some really deep parts of ourselves and get to know our inner worlds in a whole new way. It's absolutely beautiful. Okay, the next thing to think about is intention. What is your reason for the visit, for the journey, for the outing? Um, very often, you know, we just think, oh, I want to go see this spot. And we plan, we plan it like a vacation. And there is an element of, you know, planning sacred travel on it through that lens of a vacation. Um, but there's also like a deeper soul reason. I talked about last week how picking a location often for me comes from some sort of a calling. I feel called by the land of a specific place to go and visit it. And in addition to that, there is some part within me that is going to be incredibly nourished and supported in that experience. And, um, and, and I'm going to be doing some discovery within myself. So it is really beneficial to just spend a little bit of time in reflection. What is the reason you're setting out on this journey? What is the reason you're going out for the day? Um, when I make little local trips and I, I go out for a hike, it is very often to clear my mind, drop in and connect with um, with program content or something that I'm creating and working on to, to open up the space for that. That is like, so if that's what your intention is, you know, to clear your mind and drop into a new level of clarity and, and plant some seeds of intention in your life, that's a perfect intention. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, but I want to invite you to really get out of that, like that mindset that many of us carry, <laughs> myself included sometimes, uh, that that I just need to get away. I just need a break from my day-to-day -day life and invite in what is that really about? Why, what, what in my day-to-day -day life is uncomfortable right now? Get more specific. Let yourself be specific. Not because you need to write a huge story about it, but because it is incredibly, it deepens the experience. It allows more in um, like more insight and wisdom and it creates space for deeper connection while you're on the visit so know that this is a big part of this um this journey getting clear on the reason for your visit the clear on the intention um you know one of the other things that uh comes that comes to mind here on i kind of have listed out here on my notes is that um you know, with Chris and I on this this Lake Superior trip, one of the reasons that we're heading out on this trip around Lake Superior is that I have been intrigued by the Thunder Bay amethyst mines since I was a little girl. 
since I was very, very little. My grandparents went up there, um, gosh, probably back in the 80s, and they came back with these massive amethyst geodes, and they, they were abundant in their yards. And um, when I was little, I would go and I'd pick flowers and place them on the geodes and stuff like that. Oh, gosh, it was like, to me, that was just like magical. So there's something really, really magical about those mines in Thunder Bay. And um, I feel called to connect with them and to experience them. And, um, and for me, as I just, just even as I say this, I feel like there's an element of magic and like that, that joyful, innocent uh, relationship with magic that wants to be reconnected with within myself and um and that may i may get up there and find out that there's something <laughs> something entirely different that wants to come forward but uh but you know just in my preparation that's a little bit of my reason or my intent for spending time in that area um and the other bit that i want to share is that you know going around lake superior i've spent in a great amount of time uh, on the southern shore, and I really want to experience that northern shore. I want to see how that great lake, um, which is incredibly different from the others, it's there's a whole big you know I'll share more information about it when we come back because it's formed differently. It's it's like the whole the the lake itself is just it's like it is its own place. It is like a whole nother world. <laughs> and every time I get up near it, I just feel like I've been transported somewhere else. So um, there's, you know, like that, that connection with the lake that I'm really excited about, which this leads me into the next bit of information, the, the third piece of in preparation for your sacred, your soulful travel. Um, and that is to do a little research. Yeah, dig in, see what you can find and learn about some of these places. You know, my husband and I uh, have a, another trip planned for later this summer. And we'll be going to the Black Hills of South Dakota and then up to North Dakota. And my nephew uh, just came back and my dad from um, North Dakota, they were fishing up in uh, at Devil's Lake. And they started to share stories about Devil's Lake and it just fascinated me. This is a lake that has grown, expanded. The, um, the water level has raised by 29 feet since 1993. So just imagine that. And so there was like tons of information that they were sharing about this. And it super fascinated me. Um, we so often are hearing about water levels decreasing, a little bit less hearing about that this spring as we are enjoying this abundance of rain. Um, but in you know certain parts of the country, it's been incredibly dry and there have been experiencing drought types of things. And simultaneously, while drought is happening in one area of the country, um, this lake has been uh just growing and growing and growing and that was fascinating um so you know letting yourself do some of those research bits get to know some of those interesting little tidbits about the places you're going to go visit and discover what some of the history was what was some of the geological history how has that landscape shifted and changed why are there certain types of rocks in that area like for example here in um, around the shores of lake michigan we find lots and lots and lots of coral fossils 
That's because at one point we, where I'm living here in Green Bay was ocean floor. Yeah. So, you know, let yourself dig in and explore some of those pieces. Or like here in Green Bay, we have, um, we live along the Niagara Escarpment. And guess what? The Niagara Escarpment sweeps up through, it's this rock formation, rock ledge that sweeps up through northern Michigan and over between the Great Lakes to Niagara Falls. Oh yeah. So it's super fascinating when we can get into some of those pieces and get to learn about it and discover um, discover what that has to say. Often it, it just sheds light onto uh, so many different things and it can shed light on what your deeper intention is for spending time in that space or why that space has called you there at this particular time in your life. Yeah, very often the formations have something to teach us, something to share, something that's incredibly interesting. And it's in the travel that we get to discover what that is. We get to learn about it and experience it. Mm -hmm. So the next piece is the energetic prep. Yeah, this is a big one. This is kind of step four or facet four in the preparation piece. And you're probably like, what are you talking about with energetic prep? So we're going to give a little story. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know I like stories. Okay. Back in uh, 2008, on my very first trip to Peru, um, when we got down there, uh, we spent a couple days just acclimating, partly because in Peru, we're at elevation, right? Elevation is um, 10,000 feet, 11,000 feet in Cusco. Yeah, so the air is pretty thin and you need to spend a little bit of time acclimating. And uh, we spent time in the, the Sacred Valley, which is a couple thousand feet lower um, in elevation, but still pretty high. And uh, so there's that, you know, right? Like that seems like an obvious thing. But the next thing that happened that was incredibly intriguing to me was that I just kind of made this assumption that, yeah, we're going to a mountain and we're just going to go, we're going to dive right in. We're going to go all in on this mountain excursion and, you know, on and on and on. Like my mind painted a picture, right? <laughs> and what ended up happening was that, no, we did not depart for the mountain right away. Instead, we spent about four or five days just simply visiting other locations. And when I say other locations, some of them were sacred sites and others were not. Others were simply being in um, like being in uh, uh, kind of like a retreat area or gathering at the hotel or I am not kidding, we went out into the middle of a wheat field to visit a rock. Yeah, and that rock, well, there's a lot of story around that rock. That rock was pretty magnificent, but but when you think about Peru, what's the first thing you think of? You think of Machu Picchu, you think of other ruins. And instead, we went to all these other places, energetically preparing ourselves for the mountain that we were going to be spending time on. 
And we, when we went to all these other locations, we would go out and we would do ceremony. We would spend time in meditation. We would work with our medicine bundles. We'd open them up. We'd experience them in that location. We'd see what messages came through. Um, we would, you know, do some some quiet inner work and inner listening. Uh, we would get to know the vibration, the feel of these other places. So if you're planning a big trip uh, or like a bigger outing, um, I encourage you to go and spend more and more focused time at some other places where you're just listening within and deepening into that second facet of setting an intention, getting clear for your reason for visiting. And it doesn't mean that you have this like, you know, outline script, like this is what I'm going to do. Boom, 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 boom. No, no, no. Sacred work is so different than having, you know, a checklist that we're going <laughs> to, we're going to check off. It's really about dropping in and, um, and paying attention to, to what one to come forward. So letting yourself do some ceremony, do some ritual, make some offerings to the earth, leave leave like little crystals or stones, use your breath and blow, blow your love for that location into it and then just leave it with a tree or um, pick up a leaf and just smell the leaf, get to know the leaf, feel it, get to like begin to open up your, your connection and your relationship with the earth. The other piece is that um, when we're doing the energetic prep, sometimes it can be really helpful to do a bit of a cleanse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I say this as I am in on day 19 of a 21-day cleanse, and on day 22, Chris and I are embarking <laughs> on our trip. So, um, uh, and it, that kind of coincidentally fell into place. But very often when we're setting out, um, it, we we uh it can be very helpful to clear out our body a little bit and um you know kind of detox a bit from alcohol and other things that we eat and enjoy absolutely enjoy eating um that maybe create a bit of a fog that make us a little distracted or anxious or um decrease our focus that can be very very helpful it can support us in really being more present with ourselves and more present with the earth and being more receptive to the healing, the transformation, the shifts, the insights that Mother Earth wants to offer as we arrive at our sacred location when we make our visit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was facet number four. Here comes facet number five. Are you ready? So facet number five, and that is to pack your sacred supplies. I know this one seems like kind of an obvious one, but I think very often we're not really sure what to bring or how to, like what we're gonna do when we're there. In the next episode, we'll talk more about some of those pieces of what can you do when you're there? How do you connect? How do you engage? But for me, you know, as I'm planning and as I'm like preparing myself, um, and the closer and closer I get, the more I start to gather my sacred supplies into an area. I just kind of designate an area in my office and say, all right, all of my sacred supplies for this adventure are going to be here. 
and um, I bring them all together slowly, different bits. So um, I love to bring along a Peruvian, I have a big Peruvian cloth that is nice and thick and um, it just like pieces, like things fall off of it really easily if I, if they get attached, you know, like earth things. And I use it to sit on for, um, for meditation, for ceremonies, stuff like that. Um, so I always bring that along. Uh, I love to bring along my little, I have a little travel flute. I bring that along. Um, I bring along something that I can leave as a gift for the earth. Yeah a gift for the earth. Um, so you're probably like, what? What is that? <laughs> okay, I kind of touched on it a little bit ago, but let's talk about this a little bit more. Gift for the earth, you know, um, there are so many things that we often have in abundance in our lives that um, maybe we would throw away, but it doesn't feel entirely right to throw it away because it feels natural or like it came from the earth and maybe it wants to go back there. Um, or uh, maybe we need to shift our own perspective with it. So one of the things, some of the things that I like to bring along when I go out into nature is um, different things that I can leave as a gift, as an offering. So sometimes it will be things like seeds. Like I'll bring like popcorn seeds or um, different types of uh, nuts that I've been enjoying. You know, like I'll bring things from my home for that. Or this is kind of where uh, this idea sparked from for me of what to bring or how to plan some of this um, without it being too intense or too much thought. Um, years ago when I was making jewelry, I would always come across beads, um, crystal beads that had holes that weren't drilled all the way through. Or the, the stone just for some reason didn't make the cut for a piece of jewelry. Or it was chipped or whatever. And this, this kind of happens, you know, if you've ever made jewelry, if you've ever bought, you know, materials, you know that this, you're, you're, not, you're familiar with this, this happens. Um, so I would keep a jar of beads, of crystal and stone beads. And before I would go out, I would just grab a handful and then I would bring them with me. And my feeling was like, these want to be returned to the earth. Now, you know, a lot of people would have just, you know, tossed them or, you know, come up with something else to do with them. You know, and I, for me, this felt like um, a sacred exchange with Mother Earth. And that's what we want to look for. We want to look for what feels like a sacred exchange with Mother Earth. And we also want to be mindful that we're not leaving a mess or we're not being disruptive or um, leaving trash of any sort. Um, and I'm, and when I say trash, um, sometimes when we look at things that we can leave on the uh, on the earth or leave at sacred sites. Um, one of, I'm thinking of, <laughs> what I'm thinking of is uh, a couple of years ago, Chris and I were in North Dakota and we got to the top of Harney Peak. And at the top of Harney Peak, all of the trees were tied full of, um, of prayer flags and not like the local um, indigenous like prayer ties, it was like the um, the the 
the, the prayer flags, like the actual prayer flags. And they were just tied in such an abundance that they were literally cluttering the top of the space. And uh, they it, it looked it looked like trash rather than something that was there in honor and in reverence. And it was choking out the trees and on and on and on. So I kind of had my own little temper tantrum <laughs> in the moment and I wanted to free all of the trees. Um, but I also really wanted to honor that, you know, people put things there in sacred ways. But, but really, ultimately, we need to be sensitive to the places that we're visiting. We need to be sensitive to earth and... Um, and whatever we leave as an offering needs to not disrupt the natural growth of life in those places. And we need it needs to be supportive and nourishing, something that is given to the earth in honor and reverence. And Mother Earth has the opportunity to say yes or no to it. And, um, and you know, just being really clear that you're not forcing something upon her. You're just being really loving. This is relationship. It's like giving a gift to someone or receiving a gift from someone. That's what we're doing. We're creating this loving relationship with the earth, making, leaving offerings, loving, simple, gentle offerings. Um, for me, very often, I will plant the crystals into the earth or plant them into uh, like a rotting stump or, yeah, on and on. Okay. Uh, so other things you may want to bring what like a journal a notebook um if you have a specific crystal or stone that you're working with bring it along um let them let the sacred pieces that you're working with come with you on your journey let them be a part of your your journey and your experience and support you um, in creating relationship with this particular spot and in relationship to yourself. All right, so with that, I want to thank you for joining me for this week's episode. I want to invite you back for next week's episode as we dive into part three of this Sacred Traveler series. And we're going to talk more specifically about what do you do when you get there. How do you really deepen into that experience? All right, my sacred friend, I want to wish you a beautiful day. Shine brightly. Hey, sacred friend, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Crystal Shaman Life. If you like what you heard and you'd love to hear more, subscribe to our station through iTunes. And you can help others find our station by giving us a couple stars, a favorable review, and sharing with your friends. I wish you a beautiful day. Shine brightly.